Today on the show, Loima weighs in on feedback on the Monday episode with Kate Flanders. Mark shares his favorite life hacks, which include several health hacks and two must-have web applications for the price-conscious purchaser. Kristen from theloveoftidy.com calls in to share her decluttering tips and right weighs in with some additional feedback on earned income for second generation fire. Welcome to the ultimate crowdsource personal finance show. This is your Friday roundup. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. This is just going to be an absolutely phenomenal episode. There is an endless amount to cover with regards to this past week's episode on Monday. And uh, to help me with this, I have my co-host Brad here with me today. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Jonathan. I'm doing quite well. Everything's going good by me. We are certainly in the swing of summer here. Swing of pool season, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the swing of pool season. It's fun. Did you guys uh, fill up your memberships for the year at your pool? <laughs> yes, I think the actual the entire membership is uh, maxed out. So yeah, it's a popular popular pool. Chooseify has thrown away all the traditional sponsorships to just focus on selling memberships to Brad's pool. That's what uh, we're about. <laughs> yes, and we're quite good at it. it it's <laughs> funny though. I have to say, like, uh, there are a bunch of families who listen to this podcast at at the pool and. I think now like some of these like articles, like we had that article about myself and Laura in time and then like this Forbes mentioned recently and they're kind of making their rounds. So I think now people kind of know I'm like that Phi guy, but it's just like, it's kind of, kind of funny. I've never had that in my real life here, basically where not that I'm a celebrity by any means, I certainly don't mean it like that, but people are interested in talking to me about it, which is cool. Like. Uh, my friend Deb at the pool, like she introduced me to her two sons who are in college and now they're listening to the podcast and just devouring it. And uh, actually, we met Tim at one of our Choose Up I local meetups and his wife, Missy, and they listened to the podcast with their three sons, actually. So uh, it was neat. Like they introduced me to them. And, you know, I, I basically told them, like, anytime you have questions, just come up come up to me and talk about it. You know, like I'm, I'm here literally every day as we know. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, really neat. I had to say. That's so funny. You know, we went to church this, uh, a couple weeks ago and my wife was checking our son into the nursery and someone looked over to her and said, the fire is spreading. Nice. <laughs> that oh, that's wild. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, but it is great to have an inside language, right? <laughs> yeah, it is really, it is really cool. And, and just to be able to kind of help people get on this path, like just seeing that we're normal families. I think like that's always the big takeaway. I think from, from choose FI and from the people that listen to our show who turn other people onto it, this is just normal stuff. There's nothing crazy going on here. And I think that is the message that really hits home to people is like, there's no dogma certainly with choose FI. It's just living a more intentional life. And that's a message pretty much anybody can get behind, right? 
Yeah, I mean, and it, and it really is catching on. I think that this strategy that we're all pursuing, this life optimization strategy, is it is an obvious choice that you just haven't been exposed to yet. So I'm excited to share this stuff with anybody that's willing to listen. And you mentioned the Forbes article. Forbes, just for the audience that maybe wasn't aware of it, they just released an article titled The Nine Money Podcast You Should Be Listening To. And we were ranked not number one, but we'll still take it. We were number four on the list. And what I loved about it with this plug was they said that we have developed a cult like following. Brad, have you ever been part of a cult before? I have never been part of a cult or been a cult leader. What's it like to mix the Kool-Aid? (laughs) (laughs) that was that was an amazing write-up the the author chelsea just did a a wonderful job i mean like what an amazingly succinct write-up but it was exactly what i'd want if if i had my perfect world description of choose of high right this is a life optimization strategy where we just want people to get better a little bit every day every week every month and, you know, the cult thing is, is obviously tongue in cheek and, and she clearly meant it that way. But what it does is it speaks to how passionate our audience is. And they're passionate because this Phi lifestyle is their identity, right? So when you have a way of, of spreading this and spreading it in a normal fashion, right? Like it's not like you're sending people to some crazy blog that's talking about like these insane things you have to do to live this ultra frugal lifestyle. No, like that's not what Choose of I is. This is about just living a smarter, more optimized and more intentional life where you run towards what makes you happy in life. And that's a very powerful concept. And I was thinking about this more and it's kind of tied to a little bit of what we were talking about um, a week or two ago. In that case, we were talking about how to anchor and set goals for yourself and then make measurable goals. But kind of something that we we just we we touched on briefly but didn't really spend any time is this idea of how to grow your audience. And I think in the context of what we're talking about right now, what becomes increasingly apparent that of all the kind of things that you can do to increase your audience. And so maybe you could go on Oprah, right? If that were an option, or you could put ads all over the internet to grow your audience, or you could, there's plenty of little things that you can figure out. But I think the most powerful thing is to make a difference in someone's life and encourage them to get off the couch, stop watching Grey's Anatomy and take action. If you can encourage an individual to do that, to take action, and they're able to see the results over a short and long period of time, that person is going to want to share that. And I think that is a long strategy. It's not something that works overnight, but if you can consistently add value to someone's life, that's how you create loyalty over time. Yeah. And while it sounds great in theory to be on Oprah or be on the NBC nightly news or some such, it's building those honest connections with the audience and building this community. We don't look at it as, as an audience. I know I use that term, but it's our community. It's our community of like-minded people who are just like us. And I think we all want to, to share this a little bit. And it's so neat. I just saw an iTunes review that came through that said all in the family. And it's, it was about a son who introduced Phi and Chusa Phi to his parents. This is the mom saying, my son who is well on his way to Phi introduced me to the Chusa Phi podcast. I admit I didn't start listening right away because I've always lived a pretty frugal lifestyle and I didn't think I needed money advice. But when I did finally tune in after my husband and other family were always sharing tidbits from your podcast, I was hooked. That's amazing. And that's going on all across America 
and now the world too. And it's because this is a community and this is crowdsourced. This is not about Brad and Jonathan. It's about getting all this information that we have as a group and combining it and aggregating it so we all can benefit from each other. And to me, that is just as powerful as it comes. And you know, Brad, this community has actually benefited me directly in multiple ways. You know, I think one of the things that we have seen is these local groups, right, which are blowing up all over the country, they are as good as you want them to be. If you want to make them epic, people are more than happy to join you on on that journey. And one of the things we noticed is that some of the best local groups weren't our local group. They were some of the ones in other places in the country, like California and in Texas and a few other locations that they were doing regular meetups. They were advertising it and they were getting tons and tons of buy-in as people realized the power of aggregating this information into a specific geographic location. And frankly, me and you were looking at that kind of from the outside saying, we really need to step up our game and do a better job here. So I know that's something that we've been talking about a lot. How can we take what they're doing so well in other parts of the country and bring that to here in Richmond? And one thing that I've done as of the last week is I joined a small segment of the people here in Richmond that live on the South side. And we went in to get a mosquito fogger. So you had told me about this. This is something you were doing in short pump where you, uh, instead of paying, I don't know, something like 80 bucks every couple of weeks to have someone come in and decrease your mosquito load. You, you, we basically purchased the fogger, split it between five of us or five or six of us. And then we just have it on rotation. And, you know, we ended up costing me about $50 total, plus maybe an extra 20 bucks for the chemicals. And that's it. That's sunk cost, but it's it from there on out. We just kind of coordinate it. We have five of us on a tech strand and we have each of our addresses kind of laid out. And then whoever is, you know, next in line grabs it on this rotating cycle. And then you pick it up every three or four weeks. I just sprayed for the first time and I'm standing outside and I realized that it was like unnaturally quiet. I didn't have the gnats in my eyes and the mosquitoes, which kind of get a little bit unbearable this tiny year. They were just, they were calmed down a little bit. And I was like, you know, this is, this is pretty cool. So I'm getting some tangible benefits from sharing this specific tool with our community and it's actually starting to, this idea of community is starting to manifest in other areas as well. And then I just picked up a workout partner. I'm working out with uh, Tom, who's in our group, working out twice a week now. And I'll be honest, once I got rid of all the excuses of time, oh, I'm so busy, I don't have time to do this. And I had plenty of time. Now I was combating my own laziness. I'm just not motivated. That's a very real problem when you realize that it's actually yourself holding yourself back. And by leveraging community, I'm able to get outside of that. And it's, it's just, it's having a lot of benefits for my, for my life. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, you guys can push each other to show up, right? Cause with working out, showing up is probably 90% of the battle, right? It's getting over that laziness, putting your clothes on, putting your gym shoes on and getting out the door. So yeah, I mean, if you can do that and you have someone relying on you, right? Like you guys are doing barbell workouts. So you pretty much need to be there to help spot Tom. So that is really, really cool. And yeah, the mosquito fogger thing, we, we've done that as well. It's just nice to have a group of people who can go in on something financially as opposed to each of us needing to buy one of these things for four or $500 when you only use it once every three weeks. It's just so smart. And I know I've talked about this before with like how frustrated I was that on my old street of 10 of us, we had 10 lawnmowers and 10 weed whackers and 10 ladders and, you know, whatever it may be, even though 
for those things, they're idle way more than 99% of the time. Like if you actually had a community, you don't need to waste resources on all that stuff. So that was kind of the impetus for in this, you know, bizarro case, this mosquito fogger. But uh, that's just one of hopefully many of these things that we can do in the future. Actually, uh, Matt, who is a friend of both of ours, he just messaged and said, the mosquito thing is working so well. Why don't we go in on a power washer? It's again, it's something you very rarely use and you don't want to spend 100 percent on it yourself. But why not get together with like minded five individuals and buy something as a shared community resource. So yeah, it's neat to see that continuing down the line. Oh, and Jonathan, I had a, a DIY success this week, which is for me is always a good thing. I of course have my, my limiting beliefs of what I'm able to accomplish or in most cases not able to accomplish around the house. So my lawnmower just all of a sudden wasn't working right. Like I noticed it wasn't turning and I had no idea what was going on. And I looked down at the thing and I realized that the wheel was actually cracking off. This is like a 13 year old lawnmower and I keep it in good shape. I get the blade sharp and all that stuff. So it's working fine. But to my eyes, it's like, oh, wow, the, the wheel is cracked. There's, you know, this thing is going to be, I'm going to have to junk it. That was my first thought, which is stupid, obviously in hindsight, but for someone who knows nothing about any of this stuff, that was my thought. But I wound up just quickly researching it and realizing that I could buy a, I think it was like $16 wheel because it was the big rear one on Amazon. The wheel showed up two days later, well before I needed to mow again. And it took me under two minutes to uninstall and reinstall this new brand new wheel. And the lawnmower is good as new. So it's, it's funny to go mentally from a point where, oh man, I'm going to have to replace this and spend 300 bucks on a mower to this costs $16 and about five minutes of research time to find the wheel and two minutes to fix it. So just a cool DIY success, you know? Yeah, I think what we'll have to do next is a whole episode dedicated to the true cost of lawnmower ownership. I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a long-awaited episode. <laughs> Don't stay tuned because that's not coming <laughs> no, but have you ever thought about the things that you actually have had for close to a decade that bring the most value to your life? It may even be a small purchase, but like when you look back at the things that you purchased over the last five to 10 years, there will be things that you bought once and you basically you have, I don't know, purchase regret, purchaser's remorse, very real thing. It's in the getting, it's not in the having, but there will be a few items, a small subset of those items that you look back and they have brought an immense amount of value and you've squeezed every single penny of value out of them. And in one, and I have this watch that I bought close to 10 years ago. It is like a Timex Ironman uh, watch that I got for probably less than $30, somewhere between $20 and $30, has a lap counter on there. I've never even changed the battery. I bought it a decade ago, and I think as of like this morning, I got the sense that the battery is probably about to go out. But this is like one of the few things that I look at and say, worth every single penny, and the moment it stops working, I'll probably try to replace the battery, and if that doesn't work, I will just go buy another one immediately. You know, that is rare, right? Yeah, that's very cool. I was kind of racking my brain here to to come up with something. And you would joke, of course, that it's my my old laptop, right? Like, oh, gosh, six year old <laughs> laptop. But this thing's going strong and I'm not getting a new one. So that's the first one that jumps to mind. And even just something as simple as like a foam roller. I use my foam roller to roll out probably and, and a six dollar lacrosse ball every single day. I can guarantee you I'll have that exact foam roller and exact lacrosse ball 
a decade from now, and I probably will have used it 3,000 days, you know, in, in the intervening decade. And it's cool when you get a lot of use and a lot of value out of these things you purchase. And this is exactly what the episode with Kate was about. It was this thought of intentionality and actually, are you using what you own or do you just have stuff for the sake of stuff? And I think what you don't realize is that once you get to that point of clutter, something that we talked about a lot with Vicki Robin in that particular episode, once you get to the point of clutter, the new stuff that you add actually adds to your stress, not to your value. That was, to me, the biggest takeaway from this particular episode. But then also, once you realize the value of that, how it spills over into every single aspect of your life. Yeah, and Kate said that. And and this was a, a wonderful episode. I really, really enjoyed this one. And how she was saying that it was this entire decluttering of her life in addition to just the shopping ban. Like, she kind of envisioned it just as a shopping ban, but it then it benefited every other aspect of her life. And she's saying like, I think the quote was every small change you make pays compound interest. It led to her being healthier. She lost 30 pounds. It just seemed like taking control of her life. And I think this is a big thing. Like psychologically, when we make positive change, you get on this roll and you just want to keep going. And I think that's what Kate saw. And I know I've seen it personally in my own life where you take control and you take yourself off of autopilot, all of a sudden the whole world opens up to you of, oh, wow, you mean I can change that too and it'll lead to this and I'll sleep better and I'll feel healthier and that'll make me a better person to be around. And, you know, all there's all these down the road benefits of just making that change. And Brad, one of the things that really stood out to me was highlighted by by Kate saying, you know, I'm in all of this credit card debt. And at the same time, I have become basically the laziest version of myself. This kind of apathy is spilled over into all these different areas of my life. And I'm eating without regards to my health. And it struck me that what she was describing more money wasn't the answer to this. This was not something where if she had gotten a $10,000 a year raise, that actually may have been the worst thing that could have happened to her. Yeah. Oh, she would have just kept on spending because it wasn't, that wasn't the issue. I don't think she's describing herself as, as living on pennies. It, it was, she had a very comfortable existence. It was just that she was this mindless consumer who just kept buying. And she described now she hits that pause button. And I guess we've, we've used the term, the space between stimulus and response, which is a, a Viktor Frankl quote, which is just extraordinarily powerful. Just hitting that pause button in, in Kate's terminology, that made the difference because she was someone who, as she said, never wanted to say no when someone asked her to do anything or spend money, or if she saw something, she bought it. And it, I guess this did spill over into other addictive aspects of her life. And it was all just part and parcel of not saying no. It was just being mindless, as, as she said. And even when she got raises, so it wasn't about the money. When she got these raises, she let lifestyle inflation take over and she just kept spending more and more. So it was certainly not an income issue. It was just how do you take control and how do you take control of those impulses and just create that little bit of space? One other thing that, that I thought was fascinating was when she asked that question, if you remember, Jonathan, she asked that question to her sister, could you live on less? 
that was a game changer for her. Her sister was basically snubbing it in her face that she was saving 20% of her income and Kate was actually only saving 5%. And Kate said, what if the equation was flipped and it was about living on as little as you can and still having a comfortable life, living on less and saving everything that is left over. And I think that's how Laura and I approach our lives, which is also why we don't have a budget personally, because that way of thinking, and I know obviously budgets work for a significant portion of our audience. So in no way, shape or form am I saying throw out your budget or it's a bad or flawed way. So please, I don't mean that, but for the way that we approach our lives, it really is about we're at a hundred percent savings rate until we see things that we get value out of and we buy them. Okay. So that's the prism with which we approach this is a hundred percent savings rate until we find stuff that we want to buy. And I think that's, that's an important thing as opposed to just, okay, I'm going to save 32% and then the other 68% I can spend freely and just go out and buy things because that's my budget. So I've never approached it from the budget mentality. And Jonathan, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think you're farther down the path than I am. And I think this, you know, you have to tie this episode to the episode that we actually did with Dominic Cortuccio from Design Your Future. And he was the first one to introduce me to those quotes that you're referencing by Viktor Frankl. It's a phenomenal episode and it speaks to this idea of being in drift, which is clearly, clearly what Kate was struggling with, just not having mission, not having purpose, not having a why. And I think that what the budget is, is it is a tool. It is absolutely a tool to help you become more clear on your purpose, on your why. I think ultimately, Brad, your why is so centered that everything flows downstream for that. And at some point you can set that tool aside and you can just focus on living your life. It's that ingrained in you. I think for the kind of more naturally frugal person that you are, it's even more obvious that that would be the way that you would go. I think for someone like me, the reluctant frugal is someone that frankly would not be frugal just on my own without that purpose. The budget is important for me and I view frugality as a tool. You know, I reluctantly view frugality as a tool that's going to get me to financial independence. And since my center is not in frugality, I use the budget to keep me grounded. And as I get farther down on the path and my norm, you know, my, my perspective, my norm shifts, which has absolutely happened, the budget becomes less necessary. And kind of like you, I have a hundred percent savings rate until I don't, what am I, what am I sacrificing that hundred percent savings rate for? And the determining factor has become value. And I'm not perfect at that. I, you know, just like we were talking about at the beginning of this episode, I reflect on some purchases I've made and I say, Wow, that was uh, really went off the rails there. But I would absolutely say that as I go farther down this path, I am a more informed consumer. And so, you know, when I do make these purchases, it's no longer just based on the latest ad that popped up on TV or the latest podcast that told me that I needed this, but it's based on having a need in my life or having a perceived value in my life. So I think people don't start in the same places. And you need to use the tools that will allow you to get closer to the center truth. Yeah, but I also I don't mean to imply certainly that not having a budget and being at FI is like reaching some point of nirvana or some. Oh, like, that's, I don't think, that was exactly what I thought you were saying. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, and I was very clear of saying like, or I was trying to be at least, that, that uh, this is not a one size fits all. And like, I was not trying to denigrate people who are using budgets. I suspect there are many people at Phi who might have it, quote, all figured out, who still use a budget. And actually, I'd love to get voicemails from those people, how that benefits them. I just, I think for me personally, and this is what's so cool about Phi and about what we talk about here, everyone has their own way of approaching this life. And for me, a budget just never made sense. I just, I could never wrap my, my mind around it. But I guess, like you said, that's my own way of thinking. And that's, I guess, my own background of being naturally frugal and whatever. You, we, we could come up with a whole list of reasons why budgets don't work for me, but they just don't. Okay. I just never, never got it. But I suspect there are many people who are religious about their budgets, even well, well, well into five. So I think that to me is, is just more of an interesting takeaway of like, we all have our own ways of succeeding at life. So Jonathan, I don't want you to think that I'm telling you, oh, you're not down the path to five, so a budget is important for you. Like, I suspect you'll use a budget forever. Okay, young Padawan, I'm on the path. (laughs) 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 There's so many more Star Wars references that I could start throwing at you, speaking your language, right? Indeed, indeed. Oh, it's so funny. Actually, we were in uh, Barnes & Noble. Anna and I were in Barnes & Noble. She got a, a gift card for her birthday. She was just going to pick out a book and she asked me this question. It was like a Sophie's Choice type scenario where she basically said to me, Daddy, would you rather me watch the Star Wars movies or read Harry Potter? My brain exploded because like I want her to do both those things desperately. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like I couldn't choose. And it was funny because there were these two mothers who were sitting uh, maybe five feet away from us and they heard it and they just started cracking up. And we just we had a, a long conversation about it. So it was it was really, really funny. But I think I finally went actually with reading Harry Potter. I think that would be my choice, even though I am a lifelong Star Wars fan. Really? Now, is that a perceived benefit for dad if she goes down that path? Of reading Potter, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think just generally speaking, I would rather her read. And I think those are books that will lead her into probably The Lord of the Rings and other such books that I think will benefit her mind, her creativity. and, And they're just books that I enjoyed as a kid. Whereas as much as I love the original Star Wars movies, I think the more recent movies have, have fallen flat. So just generally speaking, I would rather her read in totality the seven Potter books than, than watch a couple of what I think are great movies and then some subpar ones, I guess. And just generally you're saying, I would rather her read than watch a movie. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway. Gotcha. And you know, Brad, I thought this would be the perfect point to spend a little bit of time talking about this powerful tool of decluttering because that is what this episode really highlighted the power of. And we got this voicemail from Kristen who has a website for the love of tidy.com. She is a con Marie tidying consultant and home stylist. And she wanted to share with us some of her strategies for decluttering. And we're going to play this voicemail for you now. Hi, Jonathan and Brad. It's Kristen with for the love of tidy. I reached a major milestone today I've officially finished binging all of the Choose If I podcast up to date, probably well over 60 hours of content. This is huge considering it took me a year for my friend and now resident Choose If I blogger Tamika to uh, convince me to even listen to one episode. So it's a huge goal. 
While absorbing the show, I took major actions like dropping my car, selling a rental property, and moving to a new apartment to reduce my monthly housing expenses. I've also made bite-sized changes like tracking all of my five wins and losses each month in a goal spreadsheet, cutting the cord, and of course, shopping at Aldi. I have debt standing in the way of the official start of my Fi clock, but the sale of my home has accelerated me towards changing that story this year. As mentioned, my side hustle that I'm deeply passionate about involves my love of transforming lives by tidying and styling homes. As a certified KonMari consultant here in Chicago, I apply another contrarian philosophy, the Japanese-based decluttering method that helps people surround themselves with only the things that spark joy in order to organize their homes, minds, and lives once and for all. Considering all that the Choose a Fi podcast and Fi community has done to change my life, I thought a great way to practice gratitude, which is one of the pillars of Kanmari, would be to give back by sharing a practical tidying tip that would resonate with the less is more life optimized audience. So here it goes. Before interacting with a single item in your home, sit down and map out the vision of your ideal lifestyle and ideal living environment. It's tempting to jump right into discarding or donating items, but skipping the vision mapping step significantly diminishes the chances you'll maintain a clutter-free lifestyle after the initial tidying is complete. Because Clutter is often a symptom of deeper issues that may be crowding your life. It's important to start with the tough questions. For example, ask yourself, where has clutter shown up in my life? Is there one specific area in my home or life that I enjoy keeping clutter free? What does my clutter say about me in this very moment? What fears do I have about starting the tidying process that can be used to become my greatest advantage. What do I want more of, less of? What does my ideal day look like? How does keeping my home tidy align with my core values? How will I dedicate time in my schedule over the next six months to make my major tidying event a high priority? I think it's probably no surprise to the FI community that I spend at least an hour with my clients honing in on their vision so I can best help them execute it using the Kanmari fundamentals. This is a critical step because your vision grounds all decision-making moving forward. If an item doesn't spark joy or align with your vision, goals, and values, then it's out. Simple as that. Thank you again for spreading the fire and helping me install a new mental model when it comes to thinking about money. If the FI community is as hungry for a clutter-free lifestyle as I am, they can find more tips and information about the KonMari method on my website and blog, ForTheLoveOfTidy.com, and on our companion podcast called Spark Joy, which I co-host every Tuesday. Thanks again, guys. Hey, Kristen, thanks so much for sharing that insight. And you know, decluttering is... It's complicated and it can be stressful because in a lot of times you're not just dealing with the stuff, you're dealing with the hold that stuff has on on your heart, right? I mean, there's a reason that you accumulated this to begin with and it does require sifting through that. And I know like 
it for me, it's tough for me to like look at a T-shirt and say, does this inspire joy? But at the same time, I can say that there's a lot of things that I'm afraid to get rid of due to fear. Uh, and that's some fear of missing out fear that I'm going to need it a week from now, a month from now. And there's some items that I look at and I say, it has been six years since I've touched it or even thought about it. But now I'm wondering whether or not in the next month I'm going to need this. And that's, what's keeping me from getting rid of it or donating it or, you know, finding another home for it. I think being willing to go through this process can be very powerful. Yeah. I mean, there certainly is a psychological cost to, to having this stuff and even to trying to declutter. Because I think like in that case, Jonathan, if you haven't used something for six years, there's a pretty darn good chance you're not going to ever need it again. But in your mind, you're saying, oh, what if I need this again? And then I have to go out and buy it again. Right. And in that case, you're worried about this financial cost. But again, it's, it's overlooking the psychological cost of having this thing taking up space in your house and getting in the way, right? And I think to me, that's what a lot of a lot of people struggle with when it comes to decluttering is, oh, what if I need this again? I'll have to go out and buy it. And of course, in the FI community, we don't wanna waste money. But frankly, like if your entire house or apartment is just filled with these items and you have no psychological, like safe space in essence, like as I call it an oasis, right, Jonathan, that's what we've always, uh, we've kind of joked about. I want my room and my office to have essentially nothing in it because there's just something so freeing about walking into this room and just not seeing clutter. So I, I definitely, that resonated with me strongly. And I just wanted to thank Kristen and, and say a huge congrats also. I mean, she's taken just amazing action in such a short period of time not to mention listening to all the podcasts, right? And binging them like that. And I thought her thing about putting bite-sized wins in a spreadsheet was really cool. I think that's something a lot of people could benefit from because it's kind of hard to see. We talk about the aggregation of marginal gains and just being 1% better and making these little, little changes, but sometimes you forget them, right? But if you write them all down in one spreadsheet and you could look back a year later and see, 40, 70, 100 different things that you've made changes on in your life. Well, you look back on that year and say, wow, that was an incredibly successful year. And you know, Brad, actually, I have a little bit of a frugal win here that's kind of tied to the same topic in that uh, one of the things that uh, Kate was talking about in this past episode was that one of her addictions was books, right? I mean, she just always had to have a new book and she looked at them and there were so many of them that she hadn't read yet. And I am a, I consider myself an enthusiast, but it really what I am is I'm always in search of kind of that next optimization strategy. And so I went to the library about a week or two ago and I got close, close to 10 books. There was actually more than that, but it's because my wife was rushing me out the door and I didn't have a chance to look through all of them. So once I got them home, I quickly circled through all the books and figured out which ones I was going to keep and then took the rest back. So I ended up with uh, four books that were focused on different things that I want to focus on. And one of them, the title is Cut the Clutter and Stow the Stuff at a Library Near You. And there were so many incredible action points on how to deal with clutter. And it was great to see a strategy. And, you know, I was talking about fear points. It's not always just like physical stuff like clothing and furniture. Documents are brutally, they cause so much anxiety for me. And like, where do I put it? What's the process? How do I go about destroying it? Where do I store it before I've read it? And it just builds up over time. I'll be honest with you, even right now, 
I have all of my notes, all of my outlines from the four years that I was in pharmacy school. They're inside of a giant plastic container and they're up in the attic. So they're not just sitting in my office, but I had been unable to, to get rid of those. And after going through this book and looking at some of the strategies and just being honest with myself, I got rid of all of, I got rid of all of them. I mean, there's probably 50 pounds of paper, 50 plus pounds of paper that were recycled as a result of this. And while I wasn't really seeing that every single day, it wasn't in my living room. It wasn't in my office. I can tell you that a little piece of me gained some more energy by getting rid of all of that clutter that was just in my attic. And and you think, you know, that's something that's at your periphery. What if you were able to turn these individual rooms each into an oasis where everything had a place and anything that didn't have a place had a hard look at, do I need it? There's so much random stuff that you acquire that, that doesn't have a home and you don't realize over time how that weighs down on you. And so I'm just getting a bunch of strategies out of here. I'm going to write a few of them down and share them in upcoming shows, I think, just because they're like, for me, they're just blowing my mind. But um, yeah, the uh, cut the clutter and stow the stuff at a library near you. <laughs> That's really cool. And congrats on getting rid of all that pharmacy junk in essence, right? That's what it was. It was 50 pounds of stuff that you would never look at again. But it's hard. It's hard to say, oh, I spent whatever it was, $168,000 on pharmacy school or, or more, right? And now This is what I have on. to show for it. Uh, I had the same thing though. I, I had an entire bin, I guess, one of those storage bins of old college notebooks and accounting books. And I mean, even if I was still in the accounting field, I would never look at those things again. Literally never. There's no chance on this earth that I would look at it. But I felt badly throwing them out. But I finally just said, to heck with it, this, these are worthless. And I got rid of them. I think I donated the books if they still had any value and just got rid of the notebooks and that was that. And I will never miss them because I never would have looked at them even if I lived to be 200 years old, you know? It's totally in the same place. All right, now this next voicemail I got is from Wright. And uh, Wright is just, just for the people listening to this, he's actually the moderator in our Facebook group. And he wanted to weigh in on something that Brad, that you talked about last week when you were talking about setting up a Roth IRA for your kids who are not 16 years old yet. You know, they're, they're a little bit younger and what would it look like to get them gainful employment and be able to put that in a Roth? And he had some input. Hey, Brad and Jonathan, this is right. Uh, just wanted, was listening to your, um, episode 80 and was hearing you guys discuss about eventually setting up Roth IRAs for your children. Uh, was listening to the white coat investor podcast the other day and he actually employs his children as models for his website in order to earn legitimate income just to take pictures that are on his website. Uh, and that then he can pay them a reasonable wage that is in line with prevailing wages for children models. I think he looks up what other children models get paid. Then he's able to add money to their Roth IRAs every year. So I wanted to give that as an idea and maybe even looking into other unconventional ways your children can even earn a few thousand dollars per year can allow them to have a very, very substantial Roth IRA by the time they even graduate high school. Uh, so I wanted to throw that out idea out there because I, I think it's a very, very interesting provision of the tax code that 
you know, for second generation five, we haven't really looked fully into. Uh, so thanks for bringing it up on the episode. I thought it was a great topic. Right. First of all, thank you for the voicemail. And we actually did interview White Coat Investor. We are going to be releasing that episode this fall. I can just tell you, having recorded it and been a part of the conversation, wow, it's it's so awesome. I'm so excited about it. But coming back to the actual practicalities of what we're talking about in this conversation, never before has it been easier to come up with a legitimate way to pay your child and document it. And knowing kind of behind the scenes what it looks like, I'm exploring this currently. And I'm kind of doing it vicariously through thinking about what it might look like for Brad's kids. Cause for my 14 month year old, it's, <laughs> I guess you could still do modeling, but, but it, it, I haven't quite figured it out for us, but we, Brad, we've been talking back and forth about what some strategies would look like to employ your kids in digital age, where you own a website like we do, but honestly, where anybody that owns a website, something that they could look into as well. Yeah. I think there's lots of potential here. I've also been kind of going down this road with Anna. She uses Google Docs, so she uses uh, Google Spreadsheets all the time, and she's really learning, and she's actually creating these reports for her coach on her swim team to help them with the swim event selection, which is really cool. So she's doing like this analysis of the top times reports and such, and, and what it's doing is it's building her talent stack. It's something she's really passionate about, and it's helping her learn how to use what ultimately is Excel, right? It's, it's Google spreadsheets, but it's ba- based on Microsoft Excel, which is a very valuable tool for life just generally, and certainly for corporate America someday. But she now, and, and with my help, I'm trying to teach her how to use different formulas and, and such, and it's, it's really neat. And now I'm wondering, like, how can I get her to help me in my businesses? and actually employ her legitimately. Because I think that's clearly the key here is we're not talking about doing anything that's immoral or unethical or anything like that, skirting rules, not not at all. I mean, we're trying to come up with how are there legitimate ways to employ your kids and to pay them money and to be able to fill up that Roth IRA. I think if Anna, in my particular case, has these skills where I can hire her, who knows, Jonathan, even like, like Vincent Puglisi's son, I believe it was, helps him research podcast to be on to be a guest that's time that you can compensate your child for because that's clearly value added you can document it and there you go there's something that can help them fill up that roth ira bucket so there's definitely lots of ways to do that and we're going to continue to to research this and figure it out and you know tied very closely to what we were just talking about heather posted this on the facebook group and she said the following conversation is between me and my 15 year old son And this is on her end. She says, if you want a learner's permit, you're going to need to be able to pay the insurance. Her 15 year old says, how do I get a job without a car? And everyone who is hiring wants 16 year olds. She says, you'll figure it out. Well, darn if that child didn't announce last night that he had a ride lined up at 345 in the morning to go work crab pots in the bay. He's a quick study, that kid. So <laughs> I love this. I love the I love the go get him nature. The fact that her son was able to work through these limiting beliefs and he's going to have some earned income. That's very cool. And a lot of early mornings. That's that's very impressive. And probably a lot of muscles coming from that, too. That's that's hard work, but good for him. So we don't need to always overcomplicate this. You know, it's not an online job or nothing, but it is not being willing to accept the obstacles as they are presented to you, but saying, all right, yeah, I have to work through this, but what are my options? What are other people doing? And, you know, it's a metaphor for life. 
Oh, Brad, and it's so great. You know, we record this Friday Roundup on Tuesday morning. So every Tuesday morning, we're recording the Friday Roundup. And so a lot of people listen to the, most of the people listen to the episode on Monday, but a lot of times feedback is coming through even as we're recording this episode. And Louima says, this episode with Kate kept both my mind and heart hooked. I went through the whole thing twice in a row. There's so much to say. Kate's approach to the concept of less is inspiring me to come up with a simpler plan for my life in general and to think through a reduction of my phi number ultimately. In the spirit of Brad's oft-given tip or hack to improve by going after an aggregation of 1% gains, this episode makes me realize life optimization can still occur as I track even 0.01% of consistent gains in all areas, not just finance. Every skill earned adds more confidence and more joy. That's what I got from this episode. And I have to say, Brad and Jonathan, your skills as show hosts and interviewers continue to get better and more genuine. Thank you for helping the guests tell their stories with clarity and generosity. Brad, I, I got to say, I did feel like we kind of did a pretty good job with this episode. And I think back to our first episodes where we were just putting our voices out into space, kind of like hoping that it would land. And I was like, you know, we're, we're kind of decent. But um, if I go back and I listen to like episodes one and two, it's kind of painful. I mean, you do get better at this. Yeah, it's pretty cringeworthy to to go back and listen to the first couple of episodes. But I think we've become better interviewers. And, and it's because we're curious and we know that our audience is curious as well about really getting the story and trying to figure out where those inflection points are in people's lives and to try to draw that out because we all face inflection points. And if you can be armed with how someone else did it or how dozens of someone's did it right by hearing many of our guests, then you can be ready when that situation comes up in your own life. I think that's a powerful, powerful concept. And I mean, obviously, it's always nice to hear that people say nice things about us. So I really appreciate it. But but to me, it's that we're providing a better product for our community and we're really touching into what's the essence of that person's story and how can they pass that along to our community? So yeah, a huge thank you for the the comment. And you know, from our community, we do have another email that we're going to read from Mark. And he says, I found your podcast about two weeks ago, currently on episode 23. You guys do awesome work. Like you guys have said before, my wife and I followed Dave, not religiously. We were using credit cards for the points to pay off our debt. And now we just have a mortgage. Uh, the Millionaire Educator episode was my favorite as I'm a school principal and my wife is a state nurse. So we're gearing up to utilize our 403 and 457 accounts, which I had never heard of before. Hopefully in 10 years, I'm 34 and my wife is 32, our family of four will be living the Phi life. Now you may have hit some of these in the 40 episodes or so I still have to go through, but here are some hacks that I've discovered along the way as my wife and I have accumulated close to 400,000 in net worth. On food, my wife and I are big into health, so here are some tips that will save money. Use smaller dishes. You tend to fill up whatever plate size you have. So if you pick a smaller plate or bowl size, you will put less on your plate, meaning you may have more for leftovers or need smaller amounts of food. Chips. When eating something from a bag, chips, pretzels, etc., put them in a bowl first and then close the bag up and put it away. This will prevent people from eating the whole bag. Don't eat alone. Studies show that you tend to eat less when you're with other people. Don't eat while watching TV. The same concept as above, studies have shown when you eat while watching TV, you consume more calories because you are not paying attention to what you are eating. And what's really cool about what Mark has done here is for the ones where he mentioned the study, he has linked to the actual uh, articles and content. So we'll put those in the show notes for today's episode. 
For finances, we're huge into travel rewards. We haven't paid for a hotel room in over two years using our Chase Ultimate Rewards and our IHG credit card. We're not big air travelers because it's not fun to travel in the air with a three and a one and a half year old. Shopping portals. Now, I, I haven't heard if you've gone into depth on shopping portals. We are minimalists, so we don't shop much. But sites like Ebates and such are great options. But also, Chase has a shopping portal at the bottom of their Ultimate Rewards page that you can sometimes earn four to ten times the points if you click through them. And then there's a couple extra apps that he mentioned as well. Ernie. Now, this is my new favorite. That's spelled E-A-R-N-Y. You link your card to Ernie, and if that card has price drop protection, it will track your purchases and contact your credit card and get you a refund if the price drops. You just split the refund with Ernie 50-50. I've gotten about 50 bucks back from them this way. And then Feeks, which I have no idea if I said that right. I tried. It's spelled F-E-E-X.com. This is a site that will track your account and let you know if you're paying too much in fees. They will also give you alternative fund with lower fees if you are. You can search the funds you're interested in and they will give options. Good for people with 401ks so you can see exactly what you're paying in fees. Have a great weekend. All right, there's a lot here, Brad, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. The things that really stood out to me was Ernie. And in my mind, before I discovered Travel Rewards, thanks to you, I was very happy with my 1.5% cashback card. And once a year, I would get about $35 to $45 in cash back. What he is talking about is, you know, still using it for travel rewards, or in his case, he's more into hotels, but this purchase protection, there's so many benefits that are attached to your credit card that most of us, honestly, we just take it for granted because it's too complicated to look at the fine print and see how we can use it. Purchase protection is massively huge, but so many of us don't have a plan. I wonder, is that something that you are aware of? And if not, I mean, for an ultra optimizer, Ernie sounds like it could be a good choice. Yeah, I mean, it certainly does. It's something that I personally have not looked into all that much. I can't say that I've ever filed a claim for that. But yeah, it sounds like Ernie does that automatically. Obviously, I have to assume that you connect your credit card to Ernie. So, of course, maybe some people I'm just thinking like devil's advocate position, like some people might have an issue with like privacy of letting them see all your purchases, et cetera, et cetera. But if you can get over that, I don't see any downside to this. They file the claim for you. You do no work and you just split the fee, which sounds pretty reasonable. So it's it to my mind, it's found money because I certainly wouldn't have known and I wouldn't have done the work. So let them do it and take care of it and we'll split the money. So that sounds like like a win for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I was very impressed with a lot of his health hacks as well. It's amazing how our brains can really screw up our path to health. And it's something as simple as like he mentioned, the size of your plate, as silly as this sounds, like if you look at the research, like that actually makes a difference in how many calories you consume or the quantity of food, whatever you wanna call it, just having smaller plates makes a difference. Closing the bag on the chips, like all these little things that just allow you to get your brain out of the way can help you significantly on your path to health. So yeah, I felt that was very cool for sure. Brad, I think this would be the perfect place to do a little bit of updating. Now, I know back in episode 74, that's when we brought Ryan Carson on from Treehouse and Treehouse being this online code school that can within, I think, a period of one to two years, get you to the place where you can get a job as a coder making starting out over $50,000 a year 
all the way up to probably somewhere close to $90,000 a year. And you can do it for a, a tiny, tiny fraction of what it would cost you to go get a bachelor's degree. Um, really, really huge opportunity here. And we talked about that episode in full, but there's more. The following Friday, we announced that we wanted to explore putting together a scholarship for our community. Not only do we want to talk about this and highlight it and hopefully encourage people that are maybe looking for a path to investigate this, but we wanted to give back to our community and we wanted to fund a scholarship and give an individual an opportunity to get this for free. Uh, We'll purchase it. We just want you to do it and we want you to share your story with us. And so we were going to set up a scholarship But that is not just something you don't just say, hey, I'm going to have a scholarship. There's a process to becoming a nonprofit. There's a lot of paperwork involved. And I just got to give you all the credit in that, like, you didn't let that discovery stop you. You have been looking into what it would look like to actually partner with a nonprofit. And I think you're making progress, right? Yeah, we are definitely moving forward, which is awesome. And we wanted to make sure the audience knew that we were not dropping this. We didn't forget about it. It wasn't too difficult and we stopped or some such. But uh, luckily, we had a couple people actually from our community reach out to us who are executives and VPs in, in different 501c3 organizations throughout the country. And it seems like we're going to partner with Brandy, who works for a non-for-profit called Every Child's Hope out of St. Louis, Missouri. And what's great is they're going to help us run all of this. And basically the donations will be made to that organization with Choosefi in the memo line of the check or on the online donation. And we'll actually have a trustee there who helps oversee the Choose Up I scholarship. So it's wonderful that you and I, of course, don't have the wherewithal to form a not-for-profit entity just for this one scholarship. So partnering with an entity like this is an enormous help, and it's really the only path for us to move forward. So yeah, just a huge thank you to Brandy and her entire organization. And we will have an update in the next couple of weeks when the application goes live and also when we know specifically like where if people want to donate actually we had many people in our community jump in and say hey i want to donate to have a second scholarship or a third scholarship or whatever it may be and actually treehouse might help donate a couple of scholarships as well so i mean jonathan we might be getting five plus people maybe five to ten people into a treehouse degree and that would be absolutely amazing. So long story short, a huge thank you to everyone involved for your generosity, for your time. And we will update in the next couple of weeks with the exact way that people can donate if they want to and how people more importantly can apply for this scholarship. All right. Now, if you listen to this show every week, you know that we always do a drawing for a copy of a book that we have found useful. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But occasionally we're able to do a giveaway for something else, something really, really cool. And in this case, we had a ticket for a Camp Fi Southwest in Joshua Tree, California. Incredible speaker. It's going to be a wonderful event. It's a sold out event. And so we were collecting entries to this drawing over the last two weeks saying that we would announce the winner today. And today is that day. So what we do is we take all the entries and we put them into the randomizer and we got our winner, Brad, go ahead. Who is the winner of the Camp Fi ticket to Joshua Tree, California? All right, Jonathan. Yeah, we put it into a randomizer and Danielle is the winner. 
And I want to read Danielle's review. And she said, this is my Phi handbook. I discovered the Phi community a few months ago and have been devouring information ever since. This podcast and website and team are hands down my favorite resource to date. The Choose Phi guys do a great job of making the information easily understandable, even for those new to the community. I love the diversity of topics to represent that the community is more than just financial independence, but extends to lifestyle choices like eating healthy and utilizing time efficiently. I'm excited to get increasingly more involved in the Phi community, and it is due in large part to this podcast. Danielle, thank you so very much and have a wonderful time at Camp Phi. We're really excited. We have an additional six books that we wanted to give away this week. Uh, Instead of reading all of the reviews for you guys. We're going to go ahead and just name the names. And if you hear your name called, Danny is going to be reaching out to you. We would love to send you a copy of a book of your choice. And uh, Brad, do you want to go ahead and get started? Let's do it. So the first winner is Sarah Ellen. Then we have Drew S., Jason, Shelby, Shauna, Steve, and Leanne. Awesome. All right. We'll be reaching out to you directly to put a copy of book in your hands. There's three books that we offer. It's J.L. Collins' book, The Simple Path to Wealth, Dominic Cortuccio's book, Design Your Future, and Vincent Puglisi's Freelance to Freedom. Now, for those of you that are listening that would like to enter the drawing in an upcoming week, all you need to do, just go to choosefine.com slash iTunes, follow the instructions there, leave us a short written review, and then send us an email to feedback at choosefine.com, letting us know that you left a review and what screen name you left it under. We give away one book for every five written reviews that we get, and we announce the winners on the Friday Roundup. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. All right, my friends, if you got value from today's episode, if you've been getting value from the episodes up to this point, just take one second and press the subscribe button on the platform you're listening to this on. It just lets the providers know you're getting value from the show and you want to be here when we produce additional content. The fire is spreading, my friends. We'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.